0: Hello everyone, welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome to today's program, Janice Lucas, who's Senior Director of Supply Chain at Batcock Home Furniture and more, and Vijay Natarajan, who is VP Business Consulting Supply Chain Execution at Canacis. And today we're going to talk about the disconnect between planning and execution, the journey to achieving cohesive supply chain management. So the, bo- the boxer, Mike Tyson, famously said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Similarly, everyone has a great supply chain plan until exceptions and disruptions occur. And then you have to adjust that plan or come up with a, a whole new plan altogether. That's easier said than done because historically, there's been a disconnect between supply chain planning and execution. So what are the main hurdles to companies face in overcoming you know, this disconnect? Why is breaking down these functional silos so important? And how how are advancements in technology helping? So those are some of the key questions we're gonna address in today's episode. And it's great to have Janice and Vijay on the program to share their insights and advice on this topic. So Janice, Vijay, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me. I look forward to a great conversation.
0: Thank you,
2: Evan. Good to meet you, Janice,
0: again. Great, well, again, thank you both. Uh, You know, Janice, uh, we'll start things off with you. Uh, I'm sure many people are familiar with uh, Badcock Home Furniture, but there might be some folks who are not. So maybe before we kind of dive into this topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about the company, your your supply chain, logistics operations there, and your role there?
1: So Badcock Home Furniture is a small company in the southeast. In the southeast, we have about eight different states that we go in about 380 different stores. Where we're unique is is we are a franchise. So The corporation doesn't own it, individual people own stores. And some of our owners have multiple stores. Some of them could have six, seven or eight stores. We are consignment. So the furniture that is within that store, Badcock still owns. So it's still our inventory, which makes us a little bit different. The other thing that's different about Badcock, especially in the logistics end is we have our own fleet. So our customer for my department, our customer is our store. Not the end customer, not the consumer, but our store. So our job in logistics is to get that product that the planning team buys, gets it into the DC so that the trucks can take it to the store. We have our own fleet, which makes us unique. We have our own trucks, which is great, but those trucks go to the store. They don't necessarily do other things. Now we're trying to incorporate more, but our goal is to get our product to the store. My goal is to get the product to the DC. Our fleet's goal is to get it to the store. So there's even more than just planning, it's planning, logistics, distribution center, and fleet. So we've got a unique picture out there with, like I said, about 380 stores.
0: Yeah, wow, yeah, very uh, very unique indeed. and you know, I think that um, you know, particularly when you own your own fleet, that obviously introduces, you know it, it provides some level of control and visibility which i think is is great but it also introduces some other challenges you know as well um so so let's talk a little bit now about you know the the topic at hand here now you know your business obviously deals with a lot of you know inbound you know logistics and you know plans that were made you know let's say 3 or 4 months ago by procurement may see you know significant changes in the you know consumer demand you know by the time that product is is shipped so I mean, what are some of the, the the challenges your logistics team faces as a result? And, um, you know, how do they manage that?
1: Okay, so our our my team, Inbound Logistics, we don't just do international, which has placed three or four months ago. We also do domestic. The advantage to having domestic is you can have it closer to your date that you want it received in the D.C., which is great. That can cause its own problems. As you know, international – Supply chain has been a topic of discussion for the past three years. Now more people seem to think they know about supply chain. Unfortunately, what people know about supply chain is is planning cuts a purchase order, it goes to the factory, the factory makes it, it gets on a boat and it comes here. They don't realize the intricacy and the months that it takes for all of that to happen. Not just getting the PO over there, managing the purchase order, managing the production, getting the uh, contain- the carriers to get you a container on the boat and then getting it here. And then everybody thinks, oh, wow, it's on a boat. We're fine. That's the easy part once it gets on a boat. As we all know, we have customs, we have documentation, we have the ports. The ports are behind schedule. The truckers, there's not enough of them. We've got to pick them up. Now we've got to get them off the port. Now we've got to get them to the D.C. The complexity is unbelievable for international so the problem you have is planning again thinks, oh, just order it, it gets on a boat, it's gonna be here in 30 days. Doesn't work that way. This is where you have to manage that disconnect, manage that business partner and educate that business partner. That's the international end. You'll also have the domestic end, you know. All the trucks now have gone to international. They're finally getting back to domestic. How do you find a trucker that can get you the route that you need when you need it as quick as you need it and get it to your DC on time? Is it a drop load? Is it a live unload? Does your DC have enough space to live unload it and get that truck out? Oh, but wait, I might be able to get them to take a shipment somewhere else and pick it up and do a round robin. Again, all of those different logistical things that planning while they don't have to manage it if we can get planning to understand all of that, it makes their job easier and more efficient.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think as you were going through those all those examples, I mean, it's, it, it, it's amazing to think about all of the moving parts and all of the, you know, you can almost think about it if you're thinking from a system standpoint, you know, all the potential points of failure <laughs> that can happen uh, and how everything really needs to be, you know, for for a plan to go as planned, you know, so much synchronization needs to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, and the probabilities that, you know, any one of those steps, you know, something can, there could be an exception or a disruption. Um, you know, it's, it's not surprising, you know, when you're in the front lines of supply chain logistics, when, that you realize that, you know, nothing ever, you know, goes, uh, goes according to plan. Um, nothing. yeah. And, and, you know, I was, I was one of those folks that, uh, you know, bought a, uh, a sofa, um, uh, just right before you know COVID hit in in February of, of 2020, and we we bought it in February, and we didn't get it till the end of September, <laughs> with all of the uh, disruptions that have been well documented and talked about, you know, by now. But a lot of it was because of all those steps you talked about, Janice. I mean, and 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 the and the, the pandemic really just amplified, you know, those those you know the mm-hmm. challenges associated with each of those uh, each of those points. Um. So so VJ, let's uh, let's go over to you now. I mean you you know, I work with a lot of different customers and a lot of different industries. I mean, is this disconnect between planning and execution, uh, you know, a common problem? And what are the main hurdles companies face to overcome this disconnect? Yeah, good question, Adrian. Um, And
2: thanks, Janice, for the nice insights there on the challenges that you face also. And in terms of the uh, hurdles, right, traditionally, as you said, as we've been talking traditionally, this is a common problem, by the way, traditionally, Planning systems focused on uh, long-range planning, mid-year plan, mid-term planning, and you know, in the international inbound side, purchase orders or domestic side purchase orders are planned or recommendations are made by the planning system, and that planning that purchase order goes through a PO confirmation process, and then the PO is placed with the supplier, and then the start the process starts the Janus outline very well, and so until there is a problem. Down the line in execution, which execution systems know may know if you if companies have execution systems. If they don't, then that's all handled through operational, you know, email, phone calls, and what have you, which still goes on, right? And um, so traditionally, planning systems were focused on this problem solving, and execution systems were focused more on the order management of the order, the flow of the goods, booking with the forwarders, and the, and the logistic service providers, the carriers, and the suppliers and contract manufacturers. So very siloed functional areas, as you would imagine, systems were designed to focus on those kinds of business functions. And and again, then it is a mindset, right? Very few companies are approaching this aspect of bringing these two together. It's a mindset change that has, I think, in my view, uh, has uh, the COVID has propelled that notion to bring these two silos together, right? So systems have been traditionally that way. Another thing that, another trend that I see is, um, um, you know, on the execution system side is a very, very fragmented business operation, right? You've got the supplier community, you've got the logistics service provider community, and you have your own um, DCs and warehouses and, uh, uh, you know, and other uh, supply chain partners. So it's very fragmented by nature, those functions are handled by fragmented systems, either in-source or outsourced by companies. So therefore, the co- problem between, on the planning side is not as fragmented because you might have a, an advanced planning system that takes care of all your supply plans as well as your procurement plans. Uh, but on this execution system uh, side, it becomes much more fragmented. So that complicates the systems landscape, right? So that's the fundamental problem that the uh, companies are facing that we need to move to. Uh, You talked about the pandemic, and it it reminded me of um, an air conditioning problem in Texas, where I live in Dallas, Uh, during the summertime, where it was um, 105, 104 degrees as it is now. And we were out of air conditioning for two and a half months because of uh, the unit not available. And... uh, so there was some specific unit that needed to be there and wasn't available. So those kinds of problems, um, you know, we see that we saw that to pa- pandemic, but um, it, it is it is continuing to happen. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other disruptions that could potentially be coming our way um, towards the as we go through this uh, discussion.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, you know, what I heard and what I see as well is, you know, you, you talk about. You know fragmented systems right the fact that you've got all these disparate uh, applications that have been historically focused on a very specific individual business processes and i always wonder, you know is a chicken and egg problem is that do those systems develop that way because organizationally companies have been very siloed right so it's just a mirror the, the fact that these systems got developed um in kind of siloed fashion is because companies have been organized in siloed mm-hmm. fashion. So each system was, you know, a TMS was focused on a transportation department, you know, a planning system was focused on a, you know, right. planning department. And, and, and likewise, then you talked about, you know, fragmentation of the many different parties that are involved in the end to end process, you know, logistic service providers, uh, Janice have brought up, uh, you know, customs agencies, um, you have to do it on the international side. So there's many different um, stakeholders are involved in the end-to-end process that where you have to have the exchange of data and information and documents and so forth. And th- that becomes other challenges in terms of bringing it, you know, in a, into a more synchronized, unified, you know, uh, uh, approach. Um, so Janice, you know, b- back to you, I mean, why ultimately is breaking down, you know, functional silos so important? Uh, you know, in, in other words, I mean, what business benefits do you, do you expect to achieve or have you achieved already as a result of kind of breaking down these silos? And and how are technology partners like, you know, is helping you get there?
1: We're, Badcock is lucky in that my supply chain team, our planning team, is right down the hall from the logistics team. We are actually team players. We have a great team. We talk. The most critical aspect of all of this is your people. The problem that have in today's day and age is we're all going 100 miles an hour. And we're all going 100 miles an hour with less people. And then we all have technology and not everybody understands all the technology. But the key component out of all of those three are the people that you have. Is your planning team sharing their plans? It's one thing to put in purchase orders, but it's another thing to say, oh, we have 100,000 back orders. This is what we need and this is when we need it. How are we going to do it? So where the pandemic helped our senior management understand is our planning, talk to our logistics. This is what we have, this is what we need. Logistics, what are you gonna do? That's where we prioritized. How much space could we get? What can we get on that space? What's the most critical? You, You not only wanted to fill your back orders, you also wanted to fill your DC. Well, how do we go about doing that? We met every week. Even today, prior to this meeting, We had our team's meeting of our logistics and our planners every day that we do work from home. We meet every single day at 1130. What's going on? What do you guys need? How are we going to handle it? My discussion today was them about the Panama Canal and the drought issue. Guys, you might see some slowdown. Well, why is it a concern to planning? Well, planning needs it in the stores. They need it in the D.C. to get to the stores. Well, if I don't tell planning it's going to be late, then they're going to be like, what do you mean it's not there? The stores are calling up saying, why don't I have this product? Today's day and age, we're not keeping six months of inventory on hand to handle this. We're keeping as little as we can. In order to do that, we have to talk. We have to communicate. In order to communicate, you need systems that provide you accurate information can access an MPO is accurate live information to be able to say this is what's coming this is when it's getting here even for the domestic portion and if my trucker has GPS they're sending 214 data oh it left this morning it's going to be here in three hours make sure you have a team ready to unload it because we're going to get it out to the stores tomorrow that type of thing. The Panama Canal is going to affect my international. We're talking, what was it, 21 days behind schedule. Wow, that's three weeks. Now what's going to happen? Well, crap. What are we going to do? Do we we have enough product there? Do we have to move it around? Do we have to get it from one of our other DCs to help the, the Florida state? Now we have to have that discussion. Again, we got this great information. We have this live feed. Now we need to talk about it.
0: You know, I, I love that, you know, obviously as an industry analyst and, you know, obviously VJ coming from the technology realm, we always hyper-focus on the technology side of things, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, understanding the critical role and importance that people play in this whole process. And in particular, meeting, collaborating, and communicating, you know, with one another. And obviously technology, we always talk about as an enabler, but ultimately it's the people that have to you know, continue to communicate with one another and can continue to come up with ideas and and um uh salute, come up with solutions in terms of these disruptions that are you know taking place. Um, you know, just curious. I mean, another, you know, one of the other things that I I I hear other companies do that helps with this breaking down the silos is kind of coming up with metrics that are aligned or cross-functional. I mean, is that the case there at Batcock as well? I mean, do, do you have metrics that you're jointly working toward to kind of cross you know uh, kind of this uh, balanced scorecard card approach if you will
1: the metrics that we have joint across is what we call available for sale how much do we have an in inventory that's available for sale while the planning portion and the logistics portion creates that where is it when's it going to get here when is it available for sale unfortunately in the logistics end that's definitely where it's siloed on my kpis i'm all about did I get my space from the carrier? Did the carrier provide it in the 30 days? How long did it take? Did customs have any issues? Not many metrics cross that barrier because planning's worried about did their factories ship on time? Did they create their purchase orders? Did we have 100% fill rate? All of that stuff. But where you have the um, the key component between the two is having the product ready for the customer. We're both driving towards that. Planning is trying to complete that purchase order. They got it in-house, they can, they can confirm it's in-house. Where our end is we've got it in-house, now we can get it out the door. The problem you have with systems is you have to have people that know how to read the systems and know how to dissect the information and get the information for those KPIs. You can have all the data in the world but you have to be able to understand it. That's what great. That's what's great about companies like CanAxis and MPO is you have people there that help you understand it, help you learn it. Um, but it also helps to have somebody there that, oh, crap, this happened. How am I going to fix that? I mean, we had an issue in International where we couldn't get something cleared. The carrier didn't know why. The port was saying one thing. Zim was saying another. And we're on the office going, well, that hasn't happened before. I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years and it was the first time it ever happened. But the system couldn't tell us until we picked up the phone and said, what is wrong? Why is it on hold? Picked up the phone again. And, you know, and emails are great, but you can't explain a problem necessarily in email. How do I take care of this? Got it cleared up. Off we go. Products in the DC, no time lost. But again, you need the system. What's it showing? Then you need to be able to interpret it.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I, point, I, yeah. Go
2: ahead, Vijay. Now to that point, Janice, um, when uh, you know, as we worked with you, we took the time to design your operational needs, right? And mm-hmm. took the time to design those. And one of the key things that we place emphasis on is simplifying, but yet focused on business outcomes. What's the what's the outcome? We're not turning on a feature of functionality within a system just because it's there, right? right. And, and, and so that approach kind of helps in mitigating that complexity in systems, number one, having the uh, simplification. And secondly, uh, simplified means having uh, data that is meaningful and therefore the people can consume the data without having to be explained over and over again. So that all helps with overall systems. And that's how we think about people in the whole uh, adoption of the systems, because that's a very important metric for us yeah. in CanAxess is how are our customers and the customers' users and super users understanding the system, taking advantage mm-hmm. of the system and using the system. Yeah, that's the a other great, advantage. Go ahead, uh, go ahead.
1: Sorry. The other advantage to that is You can always buy something out of the box and use something out of the box, but it doesn't always have everything you want or sometimes it has too much. The advantage with something like MPO is you tailor it to us. I mean, so MPO has this much. I only need this much. I mean, I want a little bit more just so in case we grow, we can get a little bit more. But sometimes too much information is too much information. You can really bury yourself in too much information. But you need that comprehensive information. What you guys are doing for us for the doc scheduling and the dock doors is everything that we need. We now can combine domestic and international into one picture so that we all can sit there and say, well, crap, we have 86 dock doors in LaGrange and 70 of them are full. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? We can now see that, whereas in the past, I would say to my trucker, bring in those 30 containers. I don't care what's going on. Well, now I can go, "Um, well, how about we hold off until tomorrow and then we can make sure that then they can live unload and get back out. It gives you that visibility, but not over inundate you with too much visibility.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think both, both of you bring up some some excellent points. I mean, in this day and age, I mean, you can easily drown in the amount of data that is mm-hmm. generated in in supply chain. So I think a key component, you know, if I heard you both correctly, is you know understanding what is truly the data and the information that that is important, that aligns with our business processes, that's aligned with the, with our objectives and what we're trying to achieve, that's aligned with our metrics and so forth. And and bring that to the forefront, um, and then ultimately, it's it's having the right people in place and the collaboration in place that can consume that data, those insights, um, to then ultimately take action. Whether it's to continue to make sure that the processes are working as planned, or when disruptions or problems occur, you can immediately identify or more quickly identify what the what the problem may be, um, yes. and then how to get back on you know back on course. Um, so so VJ, I mean, you, you touched upon a little bit about this. Um, you know, in terms of the role of of technology, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about this disconnect between planning and execution for for a long time. And I think, you know, certainly 24 years ago, when I started as an industry analyst, there were a lot of technology-related constraints, right? There, you know, there was a lot of on-premise software, there was a lot of proprietary software, uh, and so forth, that really, you know, were big roadblocks to bringing, you know, planning and execution together, you know we're in a very different, you know, uh, state today in terms of where technology is. So, what technology capabilities or innovations are available today that make bringing, you know, you know, closing this gap between planning and execution more feasible and easier today?
2: Right. No, that's a good, uh, great question, Adrian. Um, when you think about in the planning world, planning deals with a lot more complexities than I shouldn't say a lot more different set of complexities than the execution world, right? Um, and meaning planning not only deals with orders, but also about forecasts, right? So those, those pose different sets of, uh, you know, complexities versus in Janice's execution world, she's purely focused on orders and everything needs to be related to an order. So therefore, translating those long and mid-range plans into very discrete orders, whether it be purchase orders, sales orders, replenishment orders to the stores, or intercompany stock transfer orders, or even a a reverse a returns order, right? Being able to systems that need to be able to understand order with its own specific rules, whether it's supplier-related rules or customer-related rules. You know, obviously, customer-related rules are much more becoming much more complicated with B two B traditional b2b companies wanting to move into b2c and direct to consumer uh, aspects as well for example yesterday i was talking to a very traditional uh, manufacturing company that serves to the how residential as well as the commercial market um, but traditionally those are products that are sold in b2b channels like a, a retailer but they're moving to they're wanting to move to the direct to the end consumer so those kinds of challenges are bringing these um, these need for identifying those orders um, within the execution world very discreetly, right? And technology is available there uh, today to bridge the gap between the planning and execution. And the benefits for bridging those gaps are really multiple fold. And Janice talked about communication as one aspect. Second is the lag time between when plans are generated. Can these plans really be feasible? Are these even... You know, you can certainly do a first chance sanity checkpoint if the systems were able to talk to each other, then you can do an initial validation. Of course, disruptions may happen down the road, but that's hard to predict, right? So um, that initial validation would be the first good step where, and the technology is available for bringing those together and get access with, Kinaxis access with traditionally a planning company, planning software leader, and now the acquisition of the execution solution component that Janice refers to the bridging of the gap is possible and is here now. And more and more um I think the mind shift of companies thinking about how to bridge these gaps are are taking place. Discussions are happening um that, that are that, that are going on. And then the other advantages of not only initial validation of the plan that it is feasible, but plan, planners need to be kept up to date on the ETAs. Janice talked about this earlier, whether it's a supplier disruption or a logistics-related disruption, planners need to be kept uh, in the loop. But when it comes to logistics disruptions, if these systems were talking to each other, not all of the logistics disruptions need to be uh, enabled or need to be shared even with the planners. Because if it's a carrier issue, Janice is going to resolve this. Janice and her team will resolve this. It can be solved within these execution systems. Therefore, that reduces the noise for the planners um, to to be able to deal with. So there's a lot of benefits with these um, innovations that are available in the market today, and we are clearly, um, you know, in the next three to five years, um, and even now, we are marching towards bridging that gap and having the systems synchronization to be able to um, bring about those benefits, reduce the lag time, be able to respond to disruptions much faster. And reduce the operational efficiencies that are there between the two uh, functional silos.
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know one of the things I've seen at a high level is that um, you know now that you've got you know cloud computing, um, so you're able to tackle optimization or uh, algorithms um, that in a much more realistic, almost near real time uh, approach versus you know. Years ago, where if you try to do anything that was, you know, cross-functional, um, you know, the, the the system just couldn't handle it. Or, you know, it would have a runtime of hours, if not days, uh, to, you know, to do that kind of, uh, uh, you know, computational, uh, um, uh, you know, analysis. And and now you so you've got that. You also have obviously, you know, the buzz terms these days, AI and machine learning, but that's obviously playing a role here. You know, as well things like APIs to help you know with the information flow between the different systems, not only internally uh, but obviously with external trading partners as well. So I think there's a lot of exciting things going on, you know, architecturally um, and from a pure technology side. That's that's helping to you know bring down these uh, these barriers uh, and helping you know with the synchronization that we've been uh, talking about. Um, so as a way to wrap up, then Janice, I'll start with you, and then Vijay, you can uh, you know add your thoughts as well. I mean, so Janice, I mean, what advice would you give to other companies just getting started on this on this journey of bringing planning and execution closer together? And, you know, any lessons learned?
1: Lessons learned. Have the right system. It's, you can't always go for the cheapest system. They don't have everything. We had a system currently in place that didn't provide visibility to anything and we needed more. By going to MPO, we were able to expand just beyond the domestic portion of it and also get the international portion of it. So now we've got a much bigger picture. Don't look too small. You have to look forward. You have to assume the company is going to be successful. You have to assume there's going to be growth. You don't want to buy small now and three years from now have to go and redo your whole system. You want to plan out. You want to assume it's all going to be very successful. And like with MPO, we could quadruple everything that we do and it won't affect anything at all. It's already there. It's already in place. Even in setting up our systems, I always look at, well, what about what else do we want to do? I'd rather do the EDI 850 and map it to something big than to have to go back every couple of months and, and expand it. I want everything right now so that I can grow along the way. I,
0: I love that. I mean, I think a lot of companies make the mistake of really thinking very short term, right? They're thinking mm-hmm. about their immediate needs, which obviously is important and needs to be part of the evaluation and selection process when they're thinking about you know, technology partners. But to your point, um, you really also need to take into consider the long-term goals and objectives, Correct. and where you want to, where the company plans to be in the next three years, the next five years, and whether the system is able to scale and grow, um, you know, with your plans for growth and, and expansion. Because I don't know any company that doesn't uh, aspire to be much bigger and much broader than they are today in the, in the years ahead. And understanding, you know, making sure that the platform you ultimately decide to, um, you know, deploy is able to you know aligns with those growth plans and those you know and is able to scale in a in an effective and uh cost-effective manner as well. Uh, so, and if so,
1: it can scale it it can also help you get to those new plans that you have.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So g- great advice Vijay, anything to add there and lessons learned or words of advice for other companies.
1: Yeah,
2: um so the disconnected and disjointed supply chains with or without systems will be a thing of the past very soon. We all know that and it's mm-hmm. here. It's here to stay, right? And traditional industries have uh, have been moving at a much faster pace to digitizing their supply chains. And uh, what I would say to you know, Jen as you talked about growth, that's a very seems like that's a often uh, left out an aftermath, if you will, right? A lot of focus typically on the uh, on the cost reduction. Cost reduction is definitely going to be there forever, and. I think um, what I would what I see companies doing is more and more focusing on the differentiation of their product or service offerings and how to take that differentiation with, with supply chains to enable growth and more market share, right? And then the other thing that I would recommend or suggest to companies is, you know digitizing, given the fact that digitization is going to be here, Start with the BU or a division, like Janice talked about. Now we're starting with domestic and international inbound supply in the future. For Badcock, we're going to do other things, right? So start in a certain area and help the help the company garner those benefits that are that are going to be from the systems and the usage of the technologies. And then Janice, you talked about also, what more do I want? Therefore, that inherently means that the technology that you acquire needs to have flexibility in configuration, right? Not customization, configuration. Customization has its own pros and cons, right? Being able to configure is going to be an important attribute as companies go through selecting of these systems. So, and I think change is inevitable. And uh, as we have likely seen last week, the executive order from the White House are likely going to put more um, tracking and focus on the supply chains in terms of uh, product flow between uh the countries between
0: china and u.s right yeah b- both of you provide some great advice i love the point you brought up uh vj about y- yes i mean cost reduction cost management you know that's always that's the those are the table stakes like every roi or business justification for any kind of technology that's going to be you know front and center but i think it's important as you said and janice also alluded to is that also, look at how are you. How is technology going to help us to differentiate ourselves in the market? You know how to be more competitive, and how to grow and scale um, our, our business. You know along. You know so that it aligns with our strategic plans. You know. You know moving forward, and I think that's a key element that, to your point, you know, a lot of companies don't. Um, you know, don't take into consideration. Um, you know, we could probably go on for hours. You know, talking about this topic, but I think we. Uh, you know, we we covered a lot of ground today. Both of you provided some great insights and advice. So I want to thank both of you again, Janice, Vijay, for thank making you. the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you for inviting you very me. Much
0: Adrian, Janice. great. I want to I want to thank those of you that uh, that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Canaxis website or on Talk Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Janice or VJ, you can uh, post it there. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.
2: Thank you.